Thanks for tuning in to our Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. I'm David Curtis, the Worship and Discipleship Pastor here at our Rolling Hills Nolensville campus. We are so glad that you've joined us today for the final week of our series, The One. Today, you'll hear from Pastor Jeff. He'll be teaching from 1 Corinthians 13, and we'll be learning what the meaning of love is from, from a biblical perspective. Now here's Pastor Jeff. Well, good morning, church. Good morning. It's so good to be together today and to worship our great God. And I'm so glad that you're here in Franklin or you're joining in together online. I believe God has a word for us today. And I'm so thankful that we can start our week off with worship and start our week off saying, God, you're the priority of my life. And I'm so glad and so thankful to be together today. You know, as we get ready to jump into God's word, before, before we dive into God's word, I, I would love for us to just have a time of prayer and to pray. Uh, you know, there's a lot going on in our nation, a lot going on in the world, and, and we want to be biblical, not political, but biblical as we look at this and we just say, God, you've called us to pray for our leaders. And so our president is in the hospital right now. We want to pray for him. We want to pray over our nation right now. We want to lift up all the things that are going on with the election and racial tensions and pray as God's people. You know, it says in 2 Chronicles 7, 13 through 14, if my people... If my people, we are God's people today, right? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. I mean, what an incredible promise. So that we just want to come together as God's people today and pray over our country and pray over our nation. So let's pray together. Father God, we need you. And Father, we come before you to pray. And God, we are here today to lift up our president to you, to lift up our leaders to you, pray for healing for our land. God, I pray for Supreme Court and for the Senate and for the House and Father, for all the leaders, God, that you have over us right now in our nation. And, and Father, we pray that revival would come into our land. We pray that hope would come into our land. We pray, Father, as your people today, that we'd be men and women after your heart, that we wouldn't be political, but God, we'd be biblical and we would be people of love and of grace. And so, Lord Jesus, come. Use us, Father. Raise up your church today. And let us be men and women after your heart today, Father, and bring healing into our land and bring hope and bring Christ. We love you, Jesus, and we dedicate this morning to you. In your name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Well, I'm so glad that you are here today. We are concluding this amazing series called The One. And this has been a powerful series. We've been talking about all of our relationships and whether dating relationships, marriage, parenting, we all have these relationships. And what happens is we can spend a lot of time trying to fix the relationships around us instead of us looking at our heart and saying, no, I wanna focus on the one. And let me be a godly man. Let me be a godly woman. Let me live my life for the glory of God. And that impacts all my other relationships out there. And so I have just been so in awe of the way God's been moving and working in our hearts. You know, I do a lot of weddings, right? And that's one of the joys of being a pastor. And I've probably done maybe your wedding, you know, and a lot of weddings here of people in our church. Uh, but every wedding is different. You know, every wedding, you know, the, the bride looks beautiful and there's a wedding dress and then there's the groom who's always nervous. You know, that's the one thing, right? And they're always anxious and the groomsmen always do something crazy to the groom. And, you know, it's just every wedding has a story and it, it's always different. And there's some funny things that happen, right? And I've been in weddings where the groomsmen catch birds and let them go in the middle of the 
ceremony and then at the end of the church we're trying to figure out how to get birds out of here you know it's just the crazy things or or where the you know the bride's coming down the aisle and somebody stepped on her veil and she's like back and you're going oh man you know or the unity candle gets blown out and you're like uh-oh what do we do now you know it's just these moments that happen there's always these funny things that happen in, in weddings but there's always this moment this moment where they're standing there and whether it was you or your parents your grandparents they come down to this center point and you get to the part in the ceremony where it's like this, for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, with sickness and health, to love and to cherish until death do us part. And there's this commitment time. And everybody's got a story of how they met and how they fell in love and all the things that happened. But when you come to that point, there is like this real love. And you're seeing that. You're seeing this commitment there, Right? Because see, what happens is the world tries to sell us this cheap imitation. This world tries to tell us, hey, it's just happily ever after. You know, just live for this, right? Thank you, Disney. You know, and all the fairy tales that are out there. But the thing is that we all know is, right, happiness is based on circumstances. And circumstances change. But love is a commitment. Love is I'm there in the better and the worse and the richer and the poorer and the sickness and health. The love is that I'm making a commitment to you a spouse or to my children or to my friends. I'm making a commitment to the Lord that I want real love. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So if you have a Bible with you today, I invite you up with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, one of the greatest chapters in all the Bible. It is awesome. So I'm so glad if you're tuning in online, maybe you can grab another mobile device with you and look at version and go. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, first four books and then you get Acts, Romans, and then 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. So we're 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So turn with me there, uh, either online or if you have the Bible with you today. But it picks up here at the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the Apostle Paul is talking about these spiritual gifts, right? If you're in the church and you've given your life to Christ, you are blessed with the Holy Spirit and you have spiritual gifts, and the spiritual gifts are used to encourage the body, to build up the body. And so he goes back to talk about some are apostles and prophets and teachers. And people have the gifts of, of, of miracles and healing and help and service and, and all these different gifts that you have. And then he comes and he says, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. So he says, everybody's got these gifts to build up the body. But, but here's the most excellent way. Here's how it all works. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. It's like you can have all these great gifts, right? You can have all this great knowledge. You can be wise and you can do all these great things, but, but if you don't have love, you're missing it. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. <laughs> Paul goes, at the end of the day, it's about love. That's what it's all about, right? And then he moves from the poetical, the beautiful, you know, he comes down to make it really practical. And he says in verse four, he gives these 15 characteristics of love. And he says, love is, love is. And this is what love really is. Love is patient. It's amazing that he starts with patience, right? 
But when you think about it, it really makes sense. Because we all have different amounts of energy. We all have different amounts of money. But we all have the same amount of time. And when you give somebody your time, that's the most precious gift you can give. So love is patient. Love is listening to your spouse or to your children or to your roommates. Love is listening to your coworkers. Love is patient. Love is kind. That's powerful. It amazes me how we can be really kind to everybody out in the world, but then when it comes to the people we love, sometimes we're the most unkind. And yet love is kind. Love is kind. It, it does not envy. You know where envy comes from? Envy comes when we're not content with ourselves. Right? And so we get on Instagram and we're going through because we're not content with who we are. And so we become envious of all the things that other people have. And we look out there at everybody else. But, but love does not envy. It does not boast. Right? It doesn't boast. It doesn't say, hey, I'm better than you. Right? It's not proud. It doesn't become arrogant. It does not dishonor others. Have you ever noticed how sometimes we can put other people down to make ourselves feel better? Uh, that's not love, right? Love does not dishonor others. And it's not self-seeking. Have you thought about that? See, love is like, I'm gonna value you over me. <laughs> love isn't, hey, what can you do for me and how you can make me feel? Love is how can I make you feel? What can I do for you? It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. Do you get easily angered? Do you get mad? Do you get frustrated? Do you get angry? Do you fly off the handle? It's not love. Love's not easily anger. It keeps no record of wrongs. Uh-oh. Uh, have you ever been there? Somebody messes up, and man, you just kind of make a mental note. You're like, oh yeah, I'm gonna bring that back. Mm-hmm, yeah. I'm gonna hold on to that one. And maybe you're holding on to it for years, but you're ace of spades, you know, when something comes up and an argument breaks out, and you're like, well, yeah, but you remember when. Mm-hmm. You're like, that's 20 years ago. Yeah, uh-huh, I kept a record. I got a record of wrongs, right? That's not love. Love does not delight in evil <laughs> when something bad happens, but rejoices with the truth. When good things happen, it always protects. That word protects in the Greek, it means to build a covering over. Build a covering over. I'm building a covering over you. I'm building a covering over my kids. I'm building a covering over my niece and my nephew. I'm building a covering over my marriage. It always protects, always trusts. I believe you. I believe you. It always hopes. I see the potential in you. This can get better. This can be a place where God works. It always hopes, and it always perseveres. Man, I love that. It always perseveres. Love doesn't give up. It doesn't quit. It doesn't back away. It always perseveres, and it just says, love never fails. That is awesome. That's like Paul mic drop, right? Love never fails. If you love somebody, you're going to be there. You're gonna, not going to fail, not going to walk out. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. He says, what's going to last, right? I mean, one day when we get to heaven, you know, there's not going to be a need for knowledge. There's not going to be a need for tongues. There's not going to be a need for 
helping. We're all believers, but what's gonna last is our love for God. What's gonna last is our love for others. When I was a child, Paul writes, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. When I became a man or a woman, I grew up. And it wasn't just about what you could do for me, how you can make me feel. All of a sudden, I, I realized I had a responsibility. What can I do for you? How can I help you be better? What can I do for you? How can I encourage you? For now, we see only as a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. <laughs> Love that. Do you realize that God knows you fully? He knows everything about you. He knows all your mistakes, all your mess ups. And, and yet, listen, God knows you fully and he loves you completely. You are fully known and you are fully accepted. That's the way love is. And now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. The greatest out of all of these is love. Why? Because God is love. That's what the Bible tells us. God is love. And the way that God responds to you and to me is out of love. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And it says right after that that Jesus came into this world not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That God loves, and therefore if God loves, therefore we are called to love. That's our calling. That's our opportunity. And to love like God, that is real love. All right, if you're taking notes today, here's some things I would love for you to write down. So if you're online, hey, if you've got the Rolling Hills app, here's some things to, to fill in some blanks. If you're in the room, hey, you got the worship guide this morning, here's some things to write down because we can all, we can all, we can all, we can all grow in our love. So look at this. He says, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. So guys, of all the things that we talk about through church and through everything, the most excellent way is love. Four truths about real love from 1 Corinthians right here. Look at this. Number one, love is a choice. Love is a choice you make. Don't miss that today, okay? Love is a choice that you make. Paul writes, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. He's like, you can make a lot of money. You can be really successful. You can get all these things. But if you missed this part, you have missed it. <laughs> You've missed it all, right? Love is a choice. You don't fall in love or out of love. Sometimes we talk about that, right? Well, I just fell in love. Right? I, I, mean, I, I don't know what happened. It was like I was walking along and I fell in a big hole. You know, <laughs> just like it just, it just happened to me. Right, I just fell in love, right? No, 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 no. You made a choice. Now, there may have been tingly feelings. There may have been this energy, this electricity, but you chose. You said, no, I'm gonna love you. And that's important, why? <laughs> because you don't fall out of love. Sometimes I'll talk to couples and they'll say, well, you know what, I, I just don't love them anymore. Or, I just don't love her anymore. You know, we've been married seven years, we've been married 15 years, we've been married... 20 years, and it's just like, you know what? The flame's gone out. I just, I just don't love them anymore. You know what I want to say? It's like, you're wrong. Man up or woman up. Just say this. Like, I'm choosing not to love them anymore. 
Because you can choose to love. So it's not like all of a sudden, oh, the flame just went out, I'm done. No, 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 no. You are making a choice. Love is a choice. Love is a choice that you make. You choose to love God and you choose to love others. See, God in his sovereignty is drawing you to himself. He's inviting you into this relationship. How do you respond? Am I going to love God? Am I going to do what God's called me to do? Or am I going to live the way of the world? Am I going to stiff arm God even as he's drawing me to himself, even as he's working in my heart? But the same thing with others. I, I'm going to make a choice. And I want to choose to love. Look at this. Feelings follow actions. Feelings follow actions. You know what? We, we flip that. We think, you know, when I have that tingly feeling, oh, it's so great, you know, da, 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 you know, that then, then I'm going to act on it. Now, but, but here's the deal, right? Feelings follow the actions. And so if in your relationship, you feel like the flame has kind of started to go out, I will just encourage you. Start to think back. Are you acting in love? Because <laughs> you remember when you had those feelings, you were dating and you were like so into it, you're so in love, right? And, and you were, what were you doing? You were spending time together. You're going on dates together, you're buying flowers, you're writing love notes, and then all of a sudden you stop doing it. You get busy. Life gets busy, things happen, and you stop doing the actions, and what happens? The feelings start to go away. You can act your way back into love. You can act your way back into feeling. You start showing your spouse, you start showing your kids, you start showing and living it out, those actions. And then the feelings will follow. Hey, that's important. All right, notice this, number two. Love is a constant need in our life. Love is a constant need in our life. Paul writes this. If I give all I possess to the poor, man, I do good things. I mean, that's, that's a good thing, right? And give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love. I gain nothing doesn't matter how generous it was. doesn't matter all the good things that I did. If I don't have love, what did Jesus say? Most important commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All right. Top five needs of most women. Top five needs of most women. This is worth the price of admission today, okay? This is good. This is from a book called His Needs, Her Needs, okay? And it was by a psychiatrist, Dr. Willard Harley, he studied thousands of married couples, studied thousands of married couples, and he came up with this list for women, top five needs, men, top five needs. Okay, so I'm gonna give you the women first. So, right, men take notes, all right? Just write these things down. I mean, this is important, so get this down. Top five needs of most women. Number one, affection. Affection. Women need affection. And, and that is something simple as just a hug, a pat on the back, holding hands, just something cuddling on the couch, right? Cuddling on the couch. Those things matter. Women need affection, all right? Number two, number two is this, conversation. Shocker, right? Okay, women need conversation. On average, women speak twice as many words a day as men do. All right, it's true. That's a fact. I didn't make that up, right? Okay, so here's the deal, guys. When you come home from work and your wife says, how was your day? And you say, fine, that doesn't work, okay? That's not what she's looking for, okay? That's not, she wants to hear, she wants to know, she wants you to tell her, she wants you to talk. 
It's conversation. That's a conversation starter, by the way, okay? So conversation. Number three, honesty and openness. Women need honesty and openness. Women want to know what's going on with you. Women want to know what you're thinking. Women want to know, like, hey, are you being real? Like, what's happening? Honesty and openness. Number four, financial support. And you found that. It's like, that was important to women. Like, hey, you know, we're, we're in this thing together, right? You're working. You have a job. That's important. That's good. Family commitment was number five. Family commitment. Yeah, just to know that you're committed to this family. You're not out there just working all the time and that's what you do. You, know, you are committed here in this family. All right. Top five needs of most men. Most men, all right? Number one, this is the married couples. He surveyed thousands of married couples, right? Number one need for most men in marriage, sexual fulfillment. No surprise there. Guys, we're pretty simple. You know, it's like, okay. Number two, recreational companionship. Guys just want somebody to hang out with. I mean, guys, we're our simple. We're like, hey, you want to watch a ball game? Okay, you don't have to talk. It doesn't matter. I don't care. You, you watch the game. You sit over there. I'll sit over here. It's cool. And we're just going to watch the game. But I just want somebody to do that with. I want somebody to hang out with, right? Hey, you want to go play golf? You want to do whatever? I want to go shoot hoops. I mean, you just like guys, that's important. All right, number three, an attractive spouse. That's a guy. We're visually stimulated. It's just important to us, you know? Number four, domestic support. That was indeed for men. Just, hey, you know, we're keeping up. We're in this thing together. We're all doing things together, but that's important. And number five, admiration. Admiration. And you know what was interesting when I saw that? I thought, you know what? He nailed it. Guys just need admiration. Guys need somebody who believes them. Guys need somebody who go, hey, you're my biggest cheerleader. You know, everybody else may think I'm going to fail. I'm going to mess up. But, but I got somebody who believes the best in me. Guys, that's at the core of our heart, right? And so whether it's a parent or whether it's a spouse or whether it's a roommate or whether it's a friend, guys just desperately need that. And when you think about it, right, all of these things come back to this. We all need to give and to receive love. Women, affection, guys, admiration. We all need to give and to receive love. It is a constant need in our lives. You know, sometimes the guys will be like, well, I told her I loved her when I married her, you know. That's good, right? I mean, you know, we've been married 30 years. I, haven't, I don't need to say it again. Yeah, you do. You need to say it again. You need to say it every day. You need to say it. It is a constant need. All of us need to hear those words, and all of us need to say those words. And if you think those words are just implied, you're wrong, okay? You have got to say it, and you've got to give it. Love is a constant need in our life. Hey, in Ephesians chapter 5, and we don't have time to dig into the whole thing. This is just bonus material for you today. But Ephesians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul talks about marriage. And in there, there is this line where Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 he says, wives, submit to your husbands. And everybody all gets like, oh man, the Bible is so archaic. This is horrible. You know, what in the world? But nobody ever goes on to read what it really says. They just take this verse out of context and then they put that like, see, what, uh, you know, that, what about that? And you know what it says there? If you keep going, it says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. 
The real onus in that passage is husbands loving your wives that way. And if you really look at it, it goes back to verse 21 where it says this, submit to one another out of a reverence for Christ. See, the call is for every one of us to give love all the time. For us to be there. You know, there's also this verse right there and it says this, however, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. Admiration, right there. I believe in you, honey. I'm there for you. I care about you. Giving and receiving love, man, it's foundational for us. Okay, I gotta keep going. All right, number two is love is a commitment of our heart. Love is a commitment of our heart. Don't miss that. Love is a choice, love is constant, love is a commitment. Look, love is. Not love was, not love will be, love is. Ha, right there. And then he gives those 15 characteristics. Every great relationship takes work. Every great relationship takes work, you guys. Your relationship with God, right? The Bible says work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I'm so glad you're watching. I'm so glad you're here because I believe you're growing in your faith. Salvation is of the Lord. God draws us to himself. We enter into that relationship with him. But he says work at it. Prayer, reading God's word, being at church, being in community. That's how we grow deeper in our relationship with God. Your marriage takes work. It does. Right? I mean, you know what can happen? They say, I do. And then the guy goes, okay, I I got my wife. And now check, I'm moving on. So career, here I come. I'm going to make a lot of money. And I'm going after my career. And the wife goes, kids, I'm going after kids. And next thing you know, you just watch this thing go apart. Why? Because they don't work on their marriage anymore. And you're thinking, when was the last time we had a date night? When was the last time that we did a weekend together? When was the last time that we... Watch the movie together. We, we didn't because, hey, there goes career. There goes kids. Marriage takes work. If you're going to be a great parent, it takes work. You don't just go, okay, hey, there's food in the pantry. and Get yourself to school and have a great life. You've got to be with your kids. You've got to be reading the word. You've got to be praying over them. You want to have great kids. Every great relationship takes work. Work on it. Be willing to pour into it. Hey, and look at this one. Don't keep score. Don't keep score. You guys, it's so easy for us to fall into that trap. And we're sitting there going, well, you know what? I'm doing 80% in this relationship and they're only pulling 20%. I mean, come on, I'm doing 70%, they're 30%. Stop it. You do 100%. You give your best. You do 100% and it's just gonna raise, high tide raises all the boats. I mean, everybody's gonna come on. You give your best. You pour into those relationships. Don't keep score. Love is spelled T-I-M-E. So where are you investing your time? Are you investing in the things of this world? Are you thinking somehow I'm gonna get the trophies, the achievements, the money, the success? Are you investing your time in the things that you really love and the things that are gonna last? God, family, community, body of Christ, those things are gonna last. Look at this. Can you put your name in 1 Corinthians 13? I mean, can you come back here and look at this? This is homework for tonight, later on, right? The Titans are in place, so you have to worry about it. So you can go back and just look at this and, and put your name in here in verse four and just go, Jeff is patient. Ah, first one. I mean, like, that's hard. I'm like, oh, why was it right out of the gate? Yeah, I gotta work on that. Jeff is patient. Jeff is kind. He does not envy, does not boast. He's not proud. 
Can you put your name in there? Sit there and think about that. Write, write it out and say, hey, here's some areas that I've got to work on. Here's some areas that I've got to improve. Here's some areas I can grow in my love because I want to be better. I want to be better at loving. Okay, notice this one. Real love is unconditional. Real love is unconditional. Love never fails. You guys, love never fails. Four Greek words for love. You know, in English, we've got like this one word love, and so we throw it around, right? We say, I love pizza, and I love my wife. And like, what? You know, it's like, we just kind of throw that around. The Greeks were wise enough to know that there's kind of different levels of love. And so this word storage, this is the word for affection. Okay, so they would use this word like, you know, I love my dog. You know, I love my cat. I love, you know, I have this great affection for these things. I, I love the job I do. I love, you know, where I live. You know, we, we love these things. Philo kind of goes to a deeper level. Philo is this brotherly love, right? The city of Philadelphia. That's where that comes from, right? So this is that love for family. Hey, I've got this familiar love. I'm, I'm loving my family there. Then there's eros. This is where we get the word erotic, okay? That word's not in the Bible, okay? It's not there, but that's where this comes from. And that's more that sensual love. And then agape. And agape, guys, is God's love. Agape is real love. That's what we see throughout the scripture. For God so agaped you. God loves you that way. Hey, we think love is transactional, right? You do what I want you to do and I'll love you. You respond to me the way that I want you to respond and I'll love you. <laughs> it's not. We think love is transactional, but real love is not. Real love is unconditional. We are called to love like God and God's love is unconditional. And so when you think about your relationships, how are you loving? What are you doing? How are you living in those kind of relationships? I want you to hear from a couple in our church today, Scott and Kathy Kuhn. And Scott was diagnosed with cancer. And yet I want you to hear their story right now. Watch this. I think for, for me in my, my younger years, I, when you say those vows, you think uh, for richer, for poor. I think I thought, well, you're poor when you first get married, but then you get richer as you, as you get married, right? There's this income like this, which has not been necessarily the case. I think in the sickness and health, you think, well, we're healthy now because we're young. When we get old, one of us is going to be sick, but that's natural because we're going to be 80 or 90 or whatever. That's not been the case either. <laughs> I did mean my vows when I said them, and they were certainly important and are important, but um, it doesn't work out as a linear kind of graph like you think it would. It looks like this. I would say dating. I just thought marriage would be a bigger, better extension of dating. It was so exciting. It was so adventurous. We were so, we felt so in love. Um, and we knew, we knew that there were marriages out there that had conflict and weren't working, but that, that wasn't going to happen to us because we were so in love that we could just conquer. We were going to conquer anything and everything. It, it was going to be absolutely amazing and nothing could. No big no, problems. No problems. Absolutely no problems. Didn't think we'd have any problems. No. There came a point about year 10 when I recognized that I just didn't 
feel happy anymore. This wasn't exciting anymore. It was really hard, and it seemed like it would be easier to not be married. It was at that point when the Lord really got a hold of my heart and my life, and um, I started asking the Lord to reveal to me the things of my heart that needed changing and stopped focusing so much on what he was doing or what he wasn't doing. And the more I learned about the Lord and the more I learned about how much he loved me and what he had done for me and the way that he loves me, the more I started understanding what that looked like to love the Lord and to love other people. I had to work on my relationship with Christ with me. Um, And when I did that, I became a better husband. I became less self-focused. I became less prideful, less self-centered, less transactional and, and consumer-driven. And and she did the same thing. When we each have focused on our relationship with God, it's allowed us to uh, not only improve our marriage, but to have Him be the center and be able to work through life together with a Christ-like focus. And so to be able to help each other through situations, through difficulties, even just everyday things. And it wasn't about how I felt in the ins and outs of every day, and it wasn't about what I would get in return from Him. It was about loving Him in a way that would glorify the Lord. My job is to be the husband Christ has called me to be and be more Christ-like, and so that's a choice every day. And it works really well when you follow His design, and I'm certainly more in love with her today than I've ever been. And so the difference in what I thought marriage was and what it actually has been is a huge difference, but it's so much better than I thought it was. I would say happily ever after is much different than I originally originally thought happily ever after was the fairy tale. It was the way that the world um, perceives happily ever after. It's the fantasy, you know. So there is the the excitement in our marriage and there is the joy in our marriage and then there's the fun and there's the adventure uh, but there's also the hard and but it's a it's a hard that we do together a little bit about my diagnosis I was diagnosed in uh, January this year with uh, an aggressive form of leukemia Uh, it was definitely a shock as uh, most cancer diagnoses are I've undergone several rounds of chemo um, several procedures and things and Even back then, in the most difficult times in our marriage, we didn't realize that God was prepping us and preparing us for what we would be walking through in this season right now of walking through a a cancer diagnosis, walking through trials and suffering, um, and to, to be able to see what He's done in our life and if we were to walk, have walked through that back then, I just, I don't know that we would, we would have made it back then. And walking through it now, like, okay, we're, we're okay because we have the Lord. We're okay because we have the strength and we have the hope that comes from that relationship with Him. Yeah, I wouldn't trade this time with the physical sickness for 15 years ago when we were physically fine, but our marriage was in shambles. I wouldn't make that trade. This is this is the better, even though it's in the sickness, um, because in the health, when we weren't walking with the Lord, 
um, that was that was a lot more that was a lot more difficult because we were trying to do it in our own strength, and and that was just, that just led to destruction. Um, when we focus on how can we glorify, how can we use this relationship to glorify and honor the Lord and grow in our relationship with the Lord, grow in our relationship with one another, then teach our children um, who the Lord is and what it looks like um, to love the Lord. It's an amazing journey, but it's one that takes perseverance and it takes sacrificial effort. Um, but thankfully, we know that God gives us the resources that we need through His Word and how to walk this out in a way that that is obedient to Him. It's a lot of work, but it's, it's more than worth it. Wow. I love Scott and Kathy, and I just love their family. And when he says it's a lot of work, man, it's more than worth it. And I wouldn't trade where we are today in the sickness with where we were 15 years ago in our marriage in shambles. You guys, work on the things that matter. Work on the things that are going to last. You know, you can spend a lot of time making a lot of money. You can spend a lot of time running after success and career and sports and everything else, which are fine. But, but at the end of the day, life can change on a dime. And the things that are really going to matter is your relationship with the Lord and your relationship with those around you and with those that you love. So tell somebody you love them. Say the words and mean it and show it and live it. And today, <laughs> would you just hear God say, I love you? Because he does. Don't define your life by your mistakes or your mess ups in this area or whatever. You know what? Just get those out of the, out of the way and say, I'm a new creation in Christ. God loves me and I'm moving forward in him. I want to be a man or woman who loves well. I want to do the work. I want to put in the time. I want to love. I don't know where you are today, but I just want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes for a moment. And would you start with the one, <laughs> your relationship with God? Be honest. Maybe today, it's a day of salvation. You say, Lord Jesus, come in, forgive my sins. Redeem me. I need hope. I need help. Maybe today, God's calling you to be baptized. or Maybe God's calling you to take a next step with him. Today, would you just say, God, I want to put you first. And out of the love that you have for me, I want to then love others. If you're married today... <laughs> Would you just renew your commitment? Let's say, I want to have a godly marriage. Because my marriage impacts generations. I want to love my spouse well. If you're not married and you want to be one day, would you make a commitment to God? God, I'm going to wait for the person that you have. God, I'm going to do it right. I don't want to take shortcuts. Father, I want to, I want to know who you have. If just in your life, would you say, God, you've put people around me for all of us. Maybe you're a parent. You have nieces or nephews. Maybe you've got roommates or you've got friends. Would you say, God, let me be the person who loves them the way you love me. God, let me love like you love. Unconditional, not transactional, honest, real love. 
So Father God, here we are, your disciples. And I pray boldly, God, that you would let us love like you. That in all of our relationships, Father, that you would start with our heart. That we wouldn't blame the people around us. We wouldn't blame you, Father, that we would come and honestly and openly we would say, I want to love God with all my heart, my soul, my mind, and my strength. And I want to love others unconditionally. Agape love. So Father, meet us in this moment and change us forever. Don't let us live like a child. Let us be the men and women that you create us to be. Let us be people of love. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen, amen, amen. After the service, I'll be here. There'll be people on our staff, our pastoral care team. We'd love to pray with you, pray for you. Just know this, you're not alone. Whatever struggles you're facing, guys, you're not alone. There is a God who will walk with you. And there's a church that wants to stand with you, a church that wants to love you. At this time, I want to invite our ushers to come forward. It's a chance for us to give back, a chance for us to invest and the things that matter. If you're a first-time guest, all we ask is for you to give us your communication card and we'll follow up with you and tell you what God's doing. If you have a prayer request, you can fill it out on the back of that card, tear it off and drop it in the basket. If you're online, you can share a prayer request in the chat room or you can go onto the website. But also a chance for us to give back. Our God has been so good to us. And the way we express our love is by generosity. God so loved the world he gave. And so, Father, thank you for a chance to give back. Take what is given right now. Bless it, multiply it, and use it, Father, to impact so many lives. Thank you that you're a God of love. In the name of Jesus, we pray and we give. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you want to learn more about what's going on in the life of Rolling Hills, download our Rolling Hills app or visit our website at rollinghills.church. From there, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook to stay up to date on what's happening and ways you can connect. Thanks for listening. We're thankful for you.